Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Listen. this I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to hear it. You, he was talking about picking your nose. Yes. And if it increases your chances of getting Alzheimer's later in life. That's right. I had a different story to tell, and somehow he thinks my story is worse. Well, yeah. Then you said, can I stop you real quick? Um, I just found out I have great credit. <laughs> okay. I'm Do in the middle ever... of talk. I'm trying to tell a, a story. About a kid in kindergarten who picked his nose. Okay. Listen, I, everyone driving right now understands how I feel, and that is it's been a while, right, since you've checked your credit because, I don't know, I, I don't check it often. I guess some people do, but then I heard hey. it's bad, too. At any rate, I just want to say, and you wonder with hacking, what if I've been hacked? What if I have terrible credit? And then you get that green credit score, and it makes you feel good because you've worked hard for it. Great. We were talking about nose picking, not that. <laughs> okay. okay. It's not all about you, Amy. It's Amy Marks, Kors, and Chris Ranji. On KMOX. Hey, let's talk technology. I then. know. I, I wonder what Ian has to think about. No, these Mark things. Saltzman has been. Mark Saltzman. It's not. Well, Ian Sorry. Share was just on. He was recently. just on. It was a, yeah. a Freudian slip. Mark Saltzman on the Quiver River Electric <laughs> guest line is the host of the Tech It Out podcast. He's a friend of the show. Maybe not after this. Not after this. Now he's with us on Mark, KMOX. What's up, Mark? I, how do I top like a nose picking, credit score checking <laughs> segue? That's, I don't know, but no, to have uh, to, to be on your show, guys. Thank you. Well, okay. th- thanks for being but, here. But I mean, it's not totally mine about the credit score. Is not totally unrelated because I'm I'm not going to lie, Mark. With all of the, you know, worried about being hacked or did I click on the wrong link or I bought something from a sketchy website? Do they have my credit card number? I do think worrying about your credit score. I feel like I worry about it more than ever. Yeah, I mean that's fair, and we're you know we're on the uh, eve of. Um, March's Fraud Prevention Month, and it's a good time to remind people to uh, watch where you click online, what you're tapping on. Never, you know, I don't believe any of these texts I get that claim to be from my bank or from the IRS or whatever. You know, if it's important enough, they'll they'll contact me another way. You know, so always err on the side of caution. Change your passwords so that they're not your dogs or kids' names and birth dates and. Opt for two-factor authentication, which means you not only need your password to log in, but you get a one-time code sent to your phone that cuts down on fraud considerably. And know that AI is just going to make things worse, you know, because, you know, the the Biden impression, uh, you know, that was going around to try to sway political votes uh, because they're using artificial intelligence to uh, deep fake voices that sound like it's someone that you may or may not know, you know, so just know that they're, they're, they're trying to hit you in every which way, even old fashioned phone calls, just don't believe any of it. And when in doubt, contact the organization with a phone number that you already have for them, not one that's in that message and just say, Hey, was that you trying to, to reach me? And, and I will promise you, yeah, I, I had that happen to me recently. I had my uh, dental insurance company send me a letter, and they said, uh, yes, we, we we have been hacked, and your information was, is on the dark web now because of whatever yeah, happened. Right. And they gave me a phone number to call, and I said, eh, 
I don't know about that. Let me try to find Delta's number. I, I got the card That's out, right. and then I called mm-hmm. the number and said, I got this letter. Is this accurate? And they said yes, and then I went through the process. So um, never click on anything and never call the number that you get an email to call so yeah yep that's that's the rule of thumb but it's it's easy to be it's easy to be uh fooled because they're getting better and better right there used to be grammar and spelling mistakes in those text messages or a fishy looking url you know website address but things are are changing because of ai they're able to make it look more legit right down to the logo of your you know bank or airline or or uh, government organization so yeah pretty tricky and it makes you feel like just unplugging and becoming a luddite, but you don't have to as long as you, <laughs> as long as you exercise a bit of caution and also you know warn your let's call them more vulnerable or trusting or naive relatives who, mm. you know may fall for romance scams with uh, Valentine's Day next week or, yeah. you know all the, the grandparent scams as well where they can take a seven second clip of your granddaughter speaking in a video that you posted on Facebook innocently and then making it sound like she's calling you to for money. Yep. You know, that's fooling and it's it's boils my blood. Those who are falling victim to these scammers are the ones least likely to uh, be able to afford it, right? Th- that one is very scary. That you can you can go to Facebook, you can go to Instagram, find video, insert just the, the handful of seconds of a relative talking and a bad yep. actor can turn it into whatever they want to. It's very frightening. Yep. So be careful. Um, we want to talk to you about new products that are coming out. The uh, I, there are two that I'm I'm interested in here. Uh, one is yeah. the Sony PlayStation, the the headsets they have, and also the the Apple um, is it Apple Vision Pro. That one is is a, a really big deal apparently. Yeah. And it's a really big price tag, but it's very cool. We'll get to that in a second. Sure. But yeah, if you're a PlayStation gamer, the number one console in the country, there's a pair of new accessories. One is coming out next week, the 21st, called the Pulse Elite Wireless Headset. So it's a really futuristic-looking set of headphones that has some amazing technology under the hood as well. Not only do they look cool, but they sound amazing. Uh, and those are 149, fully wireless with the chat with people that you're playing with online and they work with other not just ps5 uh, it'll work with a computer or a smartphone or something as well and that's again called pulse elite wireless and then another great accessory for a ps5 is uh is storage that goes inside of the ps5 because now we are downloading games opposed to buying them on a disc so it's not uh, uncommon to run out of room so you can for 119 and up get a western digital a wd black internal uh, solid state drive that you can snap in and then store as as many as 100 games on the 4 terabyte version. So that's a good accessory. Now, Apple Vision Pro is pretty wild. This is a mixed reality headset, the first new piece of hardware from Apple's watch. And this is pretty amazing. It's, uh, you put it on, it's $3,500, first of all. But uh, you put on this headset, it kind of looks like ski goggles, and it fuses both uh, augmented reality and, and virtual reality. Augmented reality, or AR, is when you can still see the real world around you, but there's digital information superimposed on top. So it's, uh, it's augmenting what you're seeing for real. Um, and then the virtual part is like you want to watch a movie, it'll, it'll, it can darken everything around you, and then it simulates having like, you know, a couple hundred foot or inch screen rather, uh, where you can uh, watch content as if you had a, you know, a $10,000 
hundred plus inch TV, you know, so it's pretty, pretty wild. And there's so many other applications for it. You can work with someone remotely as if you were beside them, you can do 3d, almost like FaceTime calls. So it's kind of like a digital representation of somebody uh, when you're engaging in a video chat, it, it's pretty mind blowing. I did try it last year, Worldwide Developers Conference, and now available. Uh, again, $3,500 to start, not cheap, but uh, it's for, you know, early adopters with deep pockets. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I know. I'm like, I can't tell which is more offensive, that it's $3,500 or that it looks like ski goggles. Because mm. <laughs> that's, it's... <laughs> it looks heavy. It's a goofy thing, right? And we know the, we know new technology is always big and cumbersome at first, and then it becomes increasingly right. sleek and streamlined. How far away do you think we are before something like these augmented reality or virtual reality glasses, like the Google ones, will be like eyeglasses or even contacts? It's going to be a while for sure for contacts, but even as like very light eyeglasses because of the battery issue, you know, these, these as big and heavy as the Apple vision pros are, the battery is not even in there. It's connected on a cable. So that's like, you know, it's, it's, it's tethered to the headset you have to keep in your pocket or on the sofa beside you or what have you. But um, yeah, I think we're still a few years away because they can't lick the battery issues is processing a lot of information at once and uh it's that is going to require some massive battery performance with technology i don't think we even have yet for it to get you know fully streamlined where it's a pair of like glasses where it can do what the apple vision pro can do which is a lot there's a thousand in that thing but and it's a valid question but we're still a few years away from that i would argue but if you want a pretty awesome experience without uh, breaking the bank, there are some new laptops that have AI PC. Uh, these, they call them AI PCs. So we all know that chat GPT and those kinds of technologies are all the buzz where uh, you can interact with it like it's like a human and it can help you create content like photos or help you write uh, articles or a speech for your sister-in-law's wedding, that kind of stuff. But it's now being baked into the computer itself so you don't need the internet as much and it makes it faster more secure and more personalized like you can ask your computer show me the email where i was promised a raise <laughs> show me my uh, mm. photos from my you know my daughter's graduation kind of thing so the acer swift go 14 is 749 at costco and you get a second year warranty thrown in which is always nice whenever you buy something at costco and and it has that ai pc technology built in and it's a touchscreen laptop and it's got a high-end web camera with three microphones for for really good looking and sounding video calls so that's something that I think is a great buy, you know, because the AI is getting more uh, affordable and now getting localized. So you don't have to rely on the Internet if you're flying at 30,000 feet, want to pay for Wi-Fi in order to get help in writing a sales report for your company or something. Uh, last thing I want to uh, ask you about, Mark, what is next for Honda and their electric vehicles? Yeah, so last uh, month at the Consumer Electronics Show, we saw sort of the future of mobility. Honda has their, what they call the zero concept cars, zero EV, uh, so electric vehicles. One's called the Saloon and the other one's called Space Hub. Very futuristic uh, looking cars. The Saloon is kind of like a sedan coming as early as 26 in, uh, in North America with this um, a very futuristic look to it, all electric and a lot of uh, automation, you know, a lot of uh, self-driving technologies under the hood. And then the Space Hub is kind of like your living room on wheels. It's like a larger, uh, almost like a minivan size vehicle, but very sleek looking that uh, is 
there's no date yet on that one. And similarly, the uh, Supernal SA2 from Hyundai's uh, company, their advanced air mobility company called Supernal, they made its debut at the Consumer Electronics Show. It's a flying air taxi that they say is going to be ready as early as 2028, you know, legislation aside, I guess, you know, Uh, but it's what's called an EV toll. So it's an electric vertical takeoff and landing concept so like a drone it can take off from your driveway in theory and then and so you, there's no runway needed in other words but it's a pilot plus four passenger vehicle that can uh, fly as fast as 120 miles per hour at 1500 feet and as quietish they said so designed to be safe and, and silent and sustainable coming to the friendly skies as early as 2028. We'll see. But Let's that's go. when Hyundai say they can do it. Yeah, how cool would that be, oh, right? That'd be, I'm, I'm into it. Let's go. That's what I need. Fly through the arches. Yeah, flying, <laughs> flying into power lines, whatever. I'm sure it'll be totally safe. Uh, Mark Saltzman, host of the Tech It Out podcast. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Me too. All the best. Thanks so much for having me. That is, uh, that's awesome. We'll get in an air taxi. By the way, I have a friend who does security. Uh-huh. And uh, just last month, I, we were talking, and he said, hey, I'm coming through. Uh, I might have time to hang out. I'm like, oh, really? What are you doing? And he said, I'm I'm running security for this Apple Vision Pro. Like, yeah. they, they're taking it to different cities, and he had to be with it because they have the thing on lockdown. Yeah. They're very protective of their stuff. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is different than Apple, but another juggernaut company like Nike, when they have their new shoe technology, it's like, eyeball scans yeah. and fingerprints and seven people in the world have access to this inner sanctuary that has the new Nike ideas within the Nike campus. Like it's almost bizarre, right? But mm-hmm. I get it. Meanwhile, I sign up for things and forget it and then get weird emails. And I'm like, have I been hacked? And it's like, no, I just You've signed up for something. probably not been hacked. No. Um, Amy, John Stewart is back on The Daily Show is it entertainment only, or will it have political ramifications? We'll discuss that next on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. One thing we know for certain is this. We have two candidates who are chronologically outside the norm of anyone who has run uh, for the presidency in this country, in the history of this country. They are the oldest people ever to run for president, breaking by only four years the record that they set! (laughs) The last time they ran, they are at the age objectively old. They're at the age. There are no more age-related milestones to hit. They got the ARP card. They've got Social Security. They've got their movie discounts. There is no, oh, wait till you hit 88. You get to drink and drive. No! The only thing left to them is a Today Show Smuckers shout-out. Well, last night was the debut of I guess we call it a debut if you've been there before. Um, a re-debut. Re-debut of Jon Stewart back on The Daily Show. He's only on it now on Monday nights. 
Um, and he's going to be there at least through the election cycle. I don't know what what is happening after that. And um, I, so I mean, he he did what he typically does. I mean, he went after both candidates yeah. pretty hard last night. And that's kind of what what that show has always been. It was interesting to watch him back. Pretty but I guess, funny. But I mean, the question I have is, mm-hmm. th- there was a lot of, when he was I- at his peak mm-hmm. and the Daily Show at least appeared to be influential. A lot of people watched it. A lot of younger people watched it. A lot of people said they got their news from it. Um, and, of course, news consumption has changed even since then. Mm-hmm. We're just mm-hmm. talking, what, nine years yeah. later? Does he have any real influence on what happens this year? No. No, and no, and not on, not even if he were on five days a week, no. Partly because, as you said, news consumption has changed so drastically, even for millennials. There are a lot of Gen Zers voting, but even for millennials, news consumption has changed. And yeah, especially 10 years ago, millennials would watch The Daily Show or The Colbert Report, and that would be where they got their news. I I don't, you know, agree with it. It's an entertainment show. It's quite different than watching an actual reporter or whatever it may be if you're watching even like CNN or reading The New York Times. Yeah, it's different, but that's how they consumed their news. He's not going to have any sway. The news consumption, consumption has changed. And we, the millennials, and Jon Stewart were... We're the old ones now. Like, we're getting older. And someone pointed this out jokingly, but they're true. They, You know you're old when the Super Bowl halftime show caters to you. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was us. With Usher, that's millennials. That's high school, college for a lot of millennials. And so it's not going to change anything at all. I don't think it does either. Maybe... Maybe a little bit, but it's not like even. You mean like demonstrably with numbers, like quantifiably? I, I don't. Change? I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. Amount of power to give him. Yeah. I, no, that's why I'm saying I doubt it. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that really happens. But the attention that was paid to him when he was in his prime, mm-hmm. even though he didn't prevent George Bush from being reelected, um, and I don't think he got Barack Obama elected. I think that was going to happen um, anyway. He was being. I mean, conservatives used to go after him hard. Rush Limbaugh would go after him. Bill O'Reilly would go after him. And they're friendly. You know, they've done actual shows together. They've done interviews together. And then they did a a, a live on stage thing uh, before. So they are friends. But he would go after him. And so it was almost like they paid attention to him in the sense they felt like, like he was a threat in some yeah. way. But I don't think he actually is that. Now, he's been consequential. We talked about this the other day. He was consequential in getting those 9-11 bills passed. You know, the Zadroga bill and the Mm -hmm. burn pit bill. He was very big in that and was very close to those families of the people who got sick and and died by working down at ground zero. And, And, I mean, absolutely should be commended for all of that work. In that sense, influential, but I don't think he's going to sway an election. No. He's not going to sway an election, especially this one where people are, have already dug in where they're going to be. This is Monday night show. I think will be entertaining, but it's not going to sway the election in any quantifiable way. I am intrigued by how you mash up Brahms and Radiohead, but a new show is coming to St. Louis. We're going to talk to the conductor and creator of that. Steve Hackman is coming up on KMOX. 
Chris and Amy on KMOX. Before we went to break, mentioned a new production that is touring the country, and I am... I could not be more fascinated by this. Amy even mentioned it in the office one day a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about this thing that's happening? And uh, yes. So there is happening at Stiefel Theater February 24th. It is a one-night-only show. It is the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra, mm-hmm. and it's a production of Brahms and Radiohead. And there is a mashup of some kind. I don't really know what to expect. Specifically, Brahms Symphony Number no. 1 and Okay, computer. Okay, computer oh from Radiohead. Gosh. Just an unbelievable album. And joining us to talk about it is the creator and conductor, Steve Heckman, on the Quiver River Electric guest line. Steve, thank you for joining us this morning. Man, if I knew this was going to be a Quiver River day, yeah, I would have been up earlier. This is amazing. Dude. You guys are incredible. You have no idea how popular Quiver River is around these parts. <laughs> I need all the swag. You know, this is uh, Steve. You'll probably appreciate this, but <laughs> did you know there used to be like a trail race in the Quiver River, and it was called the Quivering Quads Race? And I guess they thought it was too racy, like what? too scandalous. Quivering Quads. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, scandal is very much uh, a topic of conversation with this Brahms Radiohead thing. <laughs> so, what what should people expect here? What what exactly is, and I, I've heard just a little bit from, you know, YouTube videos of of what the production is. Explain it to people what you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, this is this is going to be Radiohead's album, OK Computer, seen through the lens of Brahms. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a reimagination of that album. Um, and it's, of course, a reimagination of the Brahms First Symphony. Um, it explores what musical, thematic, and emotional commonalities they have. Um, but from a kind of a production standpoint, it's the St. Louis Symphony, of course, playing in all its glory. And then there are three vocalists that are traveling with me to, to deliver and sing the lines of Radiohead. Um, sometimes, as you know them from the album, I mean, sometimes we hear orchestral renditions of these songs with Brahms's, you know, melodies and themes laid over top. But sometimes it's a thorough reimagining of Radiohead's music, really, you know, again, using Brahms's harmonies and Brahms's motives. So kind of every possibility of combining these is sort of explored within this symphonic soundscape. This whole idea of synthesizing music, more modern music like Radiohead or Beyonce with classical composers, this was all your vision like this is something you created you saw and were able to make happen well that's true and and that's because this has been my life and this performance is going to be really special because there are several players in the st louis symphony that i went to school with uh when i was at the curtis institute of music and you know by day i was studying counterpoint and composition and of course conducting and you know at night i was playing in clubs i was writing my own music i was listening to radiohead And at that time, I felt sort of like the outlier. But, you know, as kind of as the music industry has changed, as streaming changed everything, I think we all realize that we're all pretty eclectic and we we all have these far ranging musical interests. And it's always been sort of my mission ever since I was in school, feeling like the odd one out to create this bridge between the vast and substantial and incredible popular music world that can be so creative as exemplified by Radiohead and the classical music world that I love so much that I've always wanted to introduce my friends to. 
Uh, Johnny Greenwood is lead guitar and he's keyboard in Radiohead, and he's also a composer himself. He's done uh, musical scores for film. Um, so it, it seems like, okay, well, here is a guy who is an actual composer and you're mashing up with a real composer in Brahms. How did you, so it seems like a natural marriage, but how in, in your head, did you hear those two, those two artists together and think, okay, that that's what fits. And this is the, what I want to explore. Well, I would say this was one of my first large-scale attempts at, at fusing a classical uh, symphonic work and an album. You know, I had done some smaller scale, like, you know, single movement things or single piece, you know, um, co- compositions. And part of it was, you know, I've got a running list on both sides of the, the symphonic works that I think are essential to introduce new audiences to, and then, and then albums on the, class, on the popular side that I think would be befitting of this kind of treatment. Radiohead's always been at the top of the list. So from the very beginning, I was looking for that opportunity to, you know, show this connection between Radiohead and classical music. The Brahms First Symphony is one of incredible tension and anxiety. Um, he, He was wound up so tight, he wanted to prove himself as a composer. And so you feel um, that, that sense of angst in that symphonic work, especially the first movement, Radio, uh, Radiohead's OK Computer is an angsty album. Mm. I mean, they are, they are very much expressing, you know, how disconcerted they are with, with the world and the digital era that, that we were entering at that time. And so that just from the emotional kind of thematic standpoint makes them very sort of um, ripe for this kind of treatment. What about just the, I guess you call it the brilliance of Tom York, the style, whether it be the notes that they're hitting, the succession in which they play them. It, as you mentioned, it has angst, it has tension, but it also feels like something rather exploratory. Does that Radiohead itself and the way the style is so intense and engaging lend itself well to orchestral music, which also has all of that emotions, all of those emotions built into it. Well, absolutely. I mean, you, yeah, you, you put it so well. I mean, as, as time has gone on, I've undertaken um, combinations that seem um, more and more unlikely. But in the beginning, you know, like I said, this was at the very beginning. I chose Radiohead because musically they can stand next to Brahms. I mean, they're, they're full of substance, of counterpoint, rich, rich harmonies, you know, um, complex rhythmic figures. I mean, they, they've got it all. And, of course, at that time, we didn't know that they were, you know, a member of the band was, this, was going to be this prolific film composer in Johnny Greenwood. And then Tom York, you know, in his solo career has also done amazing artistic things. So, you know, it's no accident. But, yeah, they, they really work musically as well, um, in addition to the thematic uh, similarities that I mentioned. Yeah, I remember when uh, Kid A came out like 24, 25 years ago, and I didn't really understand it. It's one of those albums that you hear, and it didn't sound like anything. And there, I don't know that anything has sounded like it since. And I remember having a conversation with a friend who's a very musically inclined, and he said, no, trust me, this is, this is good. It's like 15 years ahead of, of, of when it should be coming out. And as time went on, I got it. 
I don't know a lot about Brahms. Was he, as a composer, was he like that, considered that at all? Somebody who was ahead a, a of where he should have been in time? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, so Brahms was quite a traditionalist. You compare him, you know, he's a contemporary of Wagner. And Wagner would be more like the Radiohead. Um, whereas, you know, Brahms, he, he, he was really looking backward much more than looking forward. However, this first symphony of his was a landmark um, symphonic work. And, and the way he did uh, sort of pioneer within the structure of the symphony with this piece. So in ways, it was looking forward. Um, but that's actually a contrast between the two. And when I'm talking uh, when I talk about the work, I also I, I often mention how Radiohead was looking forward um, in other ways too. Again, they were looking forward. They were looking at the world that that again that we were entering in the digital age. You know, this rampant consumerism and this like uber connectivity, but yet we're all isolated. And they were expressing their anxiety about that. Whereas Brahms was looking backwards. He was always he was always feeling kind of overshadowed by Beethoven. And, and he was expressing, again, his, his anxiety over that in, in, in his music. So I, I know you didn't get Brahms' endorsement. That's impossible. <laughs> um, did, does Radiohead know about this? Do you have to get their blessing? How does that work? And if they have heard of it, what do they think? Um, yes and yes. We absolutely wow. need their blessing for it. Um, I remember it was, a, it was a pretty big moment for me when um, my... My agent got, who's very close with their management, um, this is years ago, of course, but he got the piece to Radiohead. And I sort of I knew the exact hour when the band was going to, like, click on the YouTube link and, like, watch it. Now, I don't know how much of it they watched, but you guys might know that they're notoriously pretty stingy with their copyrights. I mean, yeah. you would expect them to be so. They're... they're the most creative band we've seen in decades, you know, or, or, or one of them certainly. And so they're protective over that, um, over what they've created and rightly so. So for them to give it their blessing, uh, meant so much to me. Hmm. Steve, I, with your just whole, um, I guess, breadth of knowledge when it comes to music, you mentioned Radiohead being forward looking Brahms being backwards looking at, you know, a traditionalist in that sense. Um, when you look at the future of music as a whole, are you optimistic about it? Are you cynical about it? Do you think music is improving or do you think we're somehow reducing to um, the lowest common denominator? I'm incredibly optimistic, you know, because I think we, you know, it's everything is available to us and people can you know, they are free to discover. And I mean, I think, I think people, of course, they, those that are sort of creatively minded and those that are lovers of music are finding those channels um, to discover new music, to to discover music of alternate, alternative genres, et cetera. And those access points are becoming, um, I think, greater and greater. Um, now, the problem is, 
the the lowest common denominator, as you refer to it, you know, is is becoming more and more of a juggernaut as sort of the commercial mechanism behind music is more and more leaning into like um, the j- just those top artists and just those those top sort of monetizable you know songs or you know whatever you want to call it. So it is that kind of you you feel that battle between the two, but. I don't know. I think creativity is going to win out. And especially as a classical musician, I mean, it's some of the data out there as far as like, you know, Gen Gen Z adopting classical music and becoming curious about these, these genres that you just would not think they'd be drawn to is, is very promising. And that excites me. And that, that tells me that people are thirsty for authenticity and creativity. Steve, very much looking forward to this show. It is such an intriguing concept, and I know you've, you've done uh, something similar with the Beatles uh, years ago, and so I, I, I can't imagine this won't be good. Really looking forward to it. Thank you for giving us your time today and, and talking about this show. Oh, Thank you guys for having me. This, is, this has been great. I can't wait to get to St. Louis and, and work with that incredible world-class orchestra. Like I said, lots of friends there, and I've been looking forward to working with them for a long time. That is Steve Hackman, creator and conductor of Brahms Radiohead. Again, it's at the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra, or it's with the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. It's happening at Stiefel Theater, February 24th. The show is at 7.30, and tickets are on sale now at slso.org. Totally intrigued by this. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Guess what, Ranj? What? We're givers. Why did I just yell at you? We are givers. We're givers. and we... Do you think, well, let me stop okay. you right oh. there. Do you think there's anybody in the city, mm-hmm. any radio show in the city that is as giving as we are? Absolutely not. No, no chance. You no like, chance. You like Luke Bryan? Do I? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I don't. mean, it, just you because don't. I fine. don't doesn't mean the listener. You know what? I'm going to stop doesn't. asking that question. When you were uh, sick with COVID, when you yeah. almost died. I almost died. But you did not die. Uh, but... When you were sick with COVID, we had Brad Young in, and yeah. we were giving away Barry Manilow tickets. Tiny Tim, who did not die. That's exactly right. Yeah. Raj, who did not die. I'm alive. We were giving away Barry Manilow tickets, and Brad Young, not a huge fan of Barry Manilow. What is he like? I don't know, but I was trying to give away tickets. Okay. So we're I not said, giving away tickets now. Stop calling. No, stop calling. This is see people. Listen. This is what you do. You know, it's go. It's going to happen. It's going to we're happen. going to be giving away Luke Bryan tickets to next keep hour. Listening. But you have to keep listening to the show for your chance because to win. Because Luke Bryan is coming to the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater yes. on July twenty eighth, and we are giving away a pair of tickets every day this week. So you need to listen every day this week. Also, on Friday, I want to let people know that. In anticipation of the Billikens blizzard yes. at the Billikens basketball game on yes. Friday night, you and I will be broadcasting live from St. Louis University. We are from the uh, the Bill Grill. From the Bill Grill. I think there's a Starbucks on St. Louis University now. Inside? I thought so. Well, there's the Starbucks that's over by across, the, yeah. uh, across Forest Park. I think there's, uh, we're going to need coffee. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I think the Bill Grill will be will be there, which is going to be a ton of fun. I've, it's in the student center. I've been talking to some Billikens, some SLU alumni. 
about our big Billikens Blizzard broadcast on Friday. At the Bush Student Center. Yep. And um, they all have great stories from their time at SLU, but I'm apparently not allowed to tell any of them. Well, you don't have to give names. I know, but I think it just sounds like a blast, and I know we're going to have a blast, and we're going to talk to alumni, and we're going to talk to students, maybe um, Coach Rebecca Tillett. Yes, women's basketball I think coach. Travis Ford's going to join coach us. Travis Ford is going to join us. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It will be fun. That'll be this Friday. Yep. We'll be there uh, broadcasting live. I had a, I used to have a lot of fun at Humphreys, the old Humphreys before it was shut down and then mm-hmm. renovated and it's new and nice now. They, what did they have? Yeah. Penny pitchers? I think really? they had penny pitcher nights. Wow. Woof. That was fun. <laughs> That's a real bargain. That is a bargain. Penny for a pitcher of beer? Let's go. Putting the bar in bargain. You missed a lot on the show. You did. If you've just now tuned in, we'll tell you what all those things are next on KMOX. Chris and Amy. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.